So life lets me down and the lies tell me I've been abandoned and When the darkness surrounds and it seems that there's no hope inside I can call on your name and you release my pain, Lord, you hear me I can lean into you, Lord, and know that you'll carry me. Because I need for you to carry me up on your shoulders. You're releasing your peace with every breath that I breathe. I can call on your name and your love covers pain. There's no place that I would rather be right here with you. I'm safe in your arms, I'm washed in the blood. You see, fear is the enemy. Left to its lies, it'll break me. I won't be led to believe that all feelings I am should be trusted. I can let go feel as you open my eyes to your hand on me. I can lean into you, Lord. Know that you'll fight for me, Lord. You fight. Oh, I need for you to carry me up on your shoulders. You're releasing your peace with every breath that I breathe, and I can call on your name and your there's no place that I'd rather be than right here with you. I'm safe in your arms. I'm washed in the blood. You see all of the lies that fill up my mind. They come straight from the voice of the enemy. I will give up this pride and run straight to the fight Cause I know you're living in me Lord, I'll step across fear and surrender my life And become who you call me to be Who you call me to be I will trust you, Lord, because I need for you to carry me up on your shoulders. You're releasing your peace with every breath that I breathe. Lord, I call on your name and your love covers pain. There's no place that I'd rather be than right here with you. I'm safe in your arms. I'm lost in the blood. I'm lost in the blood. I'm lost in the blood. Lord, I'm lost in the blood. family how's everybody doing today that's right that was daryl boyer just a patriot washing the blood you know what that means that means this is saturday that also means this is brothers in the bible and i may have a brother sitting right with me i guess we'll see in a moment let's get to it we are many nations around the world comprised of many cultures but we stand together in a battle between good and evil we're the seekers of wisdom the bringers of truth the hands of heaven 
and the voices of reason. As the world tries to divide us by our differences, we only grow stronger as we are bound together as the children of God. And God bless all of you. I'm thankful that you were here today, and I hope you had an absolutely beautiful day so far. We got a about two inches of snow last night. We, um, during the show last night, walked outside. There's snow all over the place. I know. Sorry, Jeff. I'm rubbing it in because Jeff's been waiting for the snow all winter. But winter's not over yet, Jeff. We got another couple of weeks at least. So maybe another month. And I imagine we'll probably get another snowstorm here soon. So this is Kilt to Christian, episode 546, Brothers in the Bible. Who would that brother be? Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing, brother? I'm here, brother. I'm here. Well, you're I'm looking blessed. good, and I'm thankful that you came on because I know, you know, just today was, and last couple of days have been pretty terrible. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm thankful that you're here with us today and then tomorrow. Hopefully you're feeling up to it as well. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to do most of this and you can pop in every now and then when you're feeling up to it, man, I'm going to let you re relax a little bit, but I know that you're going to have some stuff to say about this conversation as well. And, uh, I want to give a big thank you to, uh, to, um, Texas mama, Tam for, uh, bearing with me late, late, late into every evening while everybody else is sleeping. She's listening to me rant about all the research that I'm taking into my little rabbit hole. So uh, thank you very much. I got someone, that, a sounding board. The rest of them I, I hear back from in the morning time, like Jeff, but, uh, but, but Tammy's always up with me. So um, it's awesome. So last night um, I was digging into a couple of things and I'm, we're gonna, that's what we're going to talk about this evening. And uh, one of the things that I was digging into, you know, non-scripturally related um, goes into what we may or may not be looking forward um, or seeing here in the coming um, weeks. I, I want to say weeks, like I, we're, we're not even months out. We're like weeks out. So um, we know Tucker had an interview with uh, Putin. And after that, there's been like three major, major incidences of things that have gone down where they've automatically turned it over. This is Russia. This is Putin. So they're already setting a stage for something. One of those things was a, what do they say, a major national threat dealing with space and Russia be sending up nukes and so forth to target our satellites and so forth. So at first I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And then I started really paying attention to it. I'm like, okay, they're, they're definitely setting a stage. So after the show last night, I came across a video, which oddly has been removed. I cannot find it anywhere. And it was Kamala Harris. And she was speaking. Now, Tam fortunately did get a chance to see this um, before they removed it. Um, I found out later, I actually reached out to the guy. They removed it, not because of the video itself, because obviously Kamala did it, so this is public. They removed it because of the comments. Because one of the things she was talking about was another thing they were blaming Putin for was there was a guy that just recently died who was um, one of the enemies of Putin, and they're automatically trying to say that Putin had something to do with this. So they're setting the stage. We know they're trying to pass a bill right now to get more money over to Ukraine, Israel, and so forth. The people aren't cool with this. They're not down with it. So What's happening is our um, they're holding off on this in the House because they know that the people aren't cool with this. So they're going to need a catalyst. They're going to need public support if we move forward. So the speech that Kamala gave was probably the most presidential I have ever heard her. And you guys know how much I despise this woman. For me to say this, like, hurts. But she sounded the most presidential I've ever heard way more than Biden. And she was alluding to the fact is that we may need to escalate things with Russia with or without our allies. So basically what she was saying is get prepared for World War III. And if you could listen to that whole video, you would see exactly what I was talking about. That's what she was alluding to. So they're setting the stage right now. And like this is what I think is going to happen. And I'll make this quick so we can get in some scripture. Um, I think what's happening right now is they are setting the stage. All of this carnage and chaos that's going on right now was all meant to happen on Biden's watch. That way they don't have to go pointing fingers at a bunch of different people. They can point the finger at the same person. So I feel that Biden is more than likely going to thrust us into World War III, probably more than likely um, as um, right before they use this as a reason to remove him from office in order to replace him with Kamala Harris for the remainder of this administration. The They know that that there's no way that anyone is going to beat Trump. They know that Trump is unbeatable at this point. There are way too many people that don't like what's going on on this side that are falling over into the Trump train. They cannot beat Trump. So I feel what's going to happen is that she's going to end up utilizing this whole World War III um, pandemic more than likely as well to do lockdowns, to do martial law in order to keep this election from going forward. That's what I think I see happening right now. And we'll definitely see... Um, but there's a lot of saber rattling going on right now, 
And if I do find um, another copy of that uh, that video of that speech that she gave today, I'll make sure to, to link it up on the KC. Fortunately, Tammy did get a chance to see it. So she can vouch like how, like you can see them setting the stage for this. So just guys, be prepared. Fear not. God's got our back 100 percent. God is in control of absolutely everything that happens. So there's no reason to be um, afraid. Remember wars, rumors of wars and all this other stuff. But I got a feeling this is where they're going. They're running out of options and they cannot beat Trump impossible okay that being said we um jeff so we we had you know we were going to come on and we were going to talk about um you know the prophets of old old school prophets um and and the old testament so we're going to be talking about that tomorrow um but one thing so so we can use this one as kind of a setup um so you and i had discussed on multiple times we talk about this all the time about you know prophets prophecy prophesy so originally um my stupid butt was making my walk with daniel video and any scriptural script, anything that I write, video, pains, angels, movies that are scripturally based, I always send that script to Jeff first. Then I send him a copy of the audio before I put any video to it so I can make sure that A, I didn't misrepresent scripture and B, I didn't mispronounce things like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and uh, a couple other things that I had. Pro- and then so in this particular, and I got it right this time. But um, thanks to Jeff. But one thing um, that I did I said wrong was I said prophecy when I meant prophesy. So I didn't realize, you know, that there were two differences. And it's it's literally, I think, the difference in the spelling of like a letter. You know what I'm saying? So it's not, you know what I'm saying, like very similar words. But I always said prophecy and you were like, no, 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 that's prophesy. And that is prophecy. So you explained to you, you broke down the difference to me. Now, in the old school testament, of the Old Testament, we had prophets. These prophets laid out the prophecies that were given to them by God Himself in order to lay out the path of where we are where we're heading. You know, so at that point they didn't know how long it would be. So here we are, two thousand plus years later. All right. So in today's age, is there a need for prophets? <sighs> Now you're stirring up a hornet's nest here um, because it could be a lot of people could argue yes, a lot of people could argue no, even according to some scripture. But the bottom line is this no, we do not have the needs for per se prophets like Elijah, Daniel, Ido, um, you know, Jeremiah, people like that, um, because for the simple fact that these were the men that were foretelling what was coming before the Messiah. The Messiah has come. Jesus has already come. And he began to read through the New Testament. You find that what, what are we given? The Holy Ghost, right? So we don't, we don't have to have prophets. We, we have God's word now written in all kinds of language. We have all these things. Now, that doesn't mean that people can't prophesy. Yes. There's a difference in someone just because you prophesy doesn't absolutely make you a prophet. You say, okay, well, I'm a little confused. Well, think about it this way. Prophets are people God handpicks. And they're never wrong. Right. Ever. Okay. And you got to think about this too. The prophets were from the bloodline. All right. And, and that makes a huge difference too. So if you think about it, you know, Elijah was, in my opinion, a great prophet. Elijah's coming back one day, right? So if we have prophets here now, why, why would, you know, why does God send him back as one of the witnesses, one of the great prophets also sends Moses, which was a prophet. So I would say this, um, from my understanding and in my opinion, we have no need for prophets. Now, again, I'm not going to argue scripture with anyone anymore in my life. Read it for yourself, discern for yourself look into it. And, you know, I got a friend of mine that disagrees with me wholeheartedly, but there again, there's, there's so many things that God's word tells us, you know, that the prophets of old were bringing what God said was going to, it's kind of like Jonah. Okay. That's a great example. You know, God sent Jonah as a prophet to tell the people he handpicked Jonah for a specific task. Okay, and he went, why did he go there? He was to go in there and tell them. So, number one, they would repent. Number two, he was telling them what was coming for them if they didn't repent. And obviously, they did repent. So, there's there's the prophet that God used to change over Nineveh. Well, 
people can prophesy. Now, we have people, Duncan has dreams. A lot of people have dreams, okay? But that doesn't necessarily make them a prophet. No, but we still, but God did say that there would be a time where, where like sons and daughters, you know, um, that they would prophesy. And, and we're seeing this in many, many occasions. And like Jeff said, it doesn't make them prophets because they're not always right. But God does give us each individually of the ability to prophesy, either even when he speaks to us, you know, when he gives us visions in our dreams. And, you know, so that they're, they're not things that you just want to, you know, throw away, you pay attention to them. You know what I mean? Because I do feel that God does give us visions. Um, but like I said, it doesn't make us prophets, um, which is why I, I'm open to listening to people when they tell dreams and stuff like that, because I know that's one big way that God speaks to me is in my dreams. So when people are having what they feel like are prof prophetic dreams or something that God's speaking to them, you know, I'll tend to listen and I listen carefully to the way that they detail the dream, you know, to see if it strays away from scripture, what God would had, had said in, in the Bible and so forth. Um, so Jeff, the reason that, you know, we're kind of talking about this is, um, that I wanted to talk about this tonight is because I believe, and we've talked about before how God speaks to us in many ways. And one way that I've noticed is that when God really, really wants you like, cause sometimes we hear it and then we're like, ah, yeah, that, that wasn't God. I mean, I'm sure we've all done that at some point. So what does God do? He repeats it. And he'll repeat it over and over again until you go, okay, God, I hear you. And he, has he done that for you? Oh, yeah, yeah, many times. I mean, you, I have a saying, I say, you can't run from God. You know, even Jonah tried to run from God. They couldn't do it. No. You know, and it's funny you bring up the Jonah too, because that, 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 that's going to come up here in a moment with Nineveh. Um, so we'll, we'll discuss that here in, in a moment as well. So, um, so last night, as I was doing my digging, I came across the video and and it was a guy that was talking about a prophetic dream that he had. And in this dream, he said that God was stressing to him that in the, in the coming months, and this was made um, yesterday, he said in the coming months, um, there's going to be an evil that is unleashed on this earth. Now, we do know that, that even God said he was going to you know, release the angels that were bound. You know, to come through and, you know, so I'm like, so that's, that was the first thing that had popped into my mind when he said that an evil would be released. So, um, so God was telling him in his dream, the importance of, um, anointing and protecting his yard and his house to the point where it told him how to, where to purchase the, the, um, extra virgin olive oil, how to pray over it. I'm um, asking God to bless it with the blood of Christ and went, I mean, it was very, very detailed. And then he went into detail about how to bless around every window, like a cross, um, anointed cross on either side of the windows, your doors, your fireplace, basically anything that would be an entrance or an exit. Then he said to go around the immediate house and, you know, and drop a little bit of the oil as you're praying to God um, and Jesus, and then walking your entire perimeter of your house doing the same thing. And then at the end, allowing some of the oil to run down your driveway. Okay. So it was very detailed about that. And I was like, wow, this is pretty interesting. So I ended up going to a completely different site, completely different website and ended up coming across two more videos from two different people that had the same dreams that this other guy had, even to the point in the dream where they mentioned that the most important thing, it's not the oil itself that does the cleansing. It's the praying over it. Um, as the blood of Christ, because the blood of Christ, very similar to the Passover, how they would, it wasn't the blood that did it. It was um, showing obedience, like Jeff had told, you know, we're talking about earlier. It was showing obedience. Um, and then the evil would pass over. And he was saying that that is the significance in what we need to do right now to our own personal homes. And he said, at first, I thought it was God talking to me. But then a part of my dream, he said to spread this as far as you can. Every other person that had the same visions. And these weren't like people that were making a video because he did. These were people that had their own visions. It said the same thing that God told me to spread this as far as I could, even to the point where two of the, I saw total in the last 12 hours, I ran across six videos of the same thing, six different people, same vision, giving videos of the same thing. Two of them um, opened up new accounts just so they could do this. They didn't have any, they never did social media until this. That's crazy. I mean, really that's, 
you know, it doesn't surprise me because there, again, there's prophecy fulfilled, you know, where people are going to prophesy, um, doesn't surprise me in the least, but that is kind of crazy. I mean, that's. Yeah. So, and another thing too, they had in common was that when they were explaining like the anointing oils, they, they all said this too. They, they called it emergency. They, they were like, literally, this is an emergency anointing oil. Basically, like if you want to do it the full way, you know, you'd want frankincense, myrrh, you know, so they mentioned a couple of those things, but they said that, you know, God was speaking to them, like, as if you have no time on your hands, go to the store right now, pick up extra virgin olive oil is what they said. They said, don't pull it from your cabinet because when you open the bottle, it can't have ever been used for any other purpose. Like the purpose of the bottle that you buy needs to be for this specifically and nothing else. And then they told you how to pray you know, to Jesus, thank him for everything he's doing, the sacrifice that he made, giving his eternal life. And then will you bless this oil for the protection of my house in the holy blood of Jesus? So that's the importance of what they were saying is that it has nothing to do with the oil. It's important that you pray over it. And it's the representation of the blood of Christ, asking Christ to do it. So I would recommend doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, you know, it's kind of like holy water. Yeah, very you know, exactly. It's not not technically the water that does it. It's the fasting and praying and asking God's power over the situation. And that is a form of obedience. If you go back into Exodus, look at the old Testament when they were sacrificing different things, there was a way, there was a specific way that it had to be done. And that was following what God instructed. And that was showing the obedience wasn't necessarily, you know, the, the select animals per se. I mean, it was, but it was, but what I'm saying is, the more power to it is is from God, not yeah. not absolutely what the animal was, or here, like in this case, the oil or the water. It's the power of God. Yes, you know. So I would certainly recommend. Uh, like I said, it's going to cost you a dollar twenty eight, maybe two dollars at the most. For uh, I mean, I I'm gonna I'm literally going out. I almost went out tonight, but I had dinner going already. Um, so I'm going out tomorrow and I'm going to go pick up some and I'm doing this, man. Cause like we're getting into some very rough times. And like I said, if it was one person, it interested me, but literally six different people on multiple different sites, completely same vision, not related to each other whatsoever. I said, literally, I hear you God, and I'm going to talk about it on the show today. So, you know, and you can go online and you can actually purchase yeah. what they call anointing oil. That's actually is already, some of it's already been prayed over. I wouldn't go on that. I would do my own prayer or that, like I do with mine. I have some, and I mean, yeah, I've I've not boasting or bragging or anything, but I've used it before. I put it on my hair. I mean, it smells smells kind of weird because we're not used to it, but it, it kind of smells really good too. But I'll tell you what, it's good for your hair because you can't you can't for two days you can't wash that smell out of your hair. Oh no, exactly. And then frankincense smell smell awesome, anyways. I mean, it's you know, but yeah, they're you know, there again following following scripture folks that's that's what the key to it is is not necessarily that like say the water or the oil it's you're following what god's instructions are in order to do something just like when you're praying for someone who's sick you're praying for that person in fervent prayer you're continually praying you're being obedient you're listening you're you're in tune with god you're you're following his directions that's what does it mm -hmm. exactly you know so show that obedience like i said you know it, it it isn't going to hurt anything. And, you know, once again, um, if it was one or two, I wouldn't have thought much, but God literally kept just throwing it at me. And I was like, I hear you, you know, so he was, he was, that was, that was important. So once again, is it going to hurt your home? And, uh, I would highly recommend doing so two bucks. Yeah. Um, and there you go. Um, so now I'm going to go off into another little weird thing that I was another little rabbit hole that I fell down last night. Jeff and I talked about this one earlier. Um, and then we're going to get into the final, which I got something that's going to blow your guys' mind. Some of you may know about it, but like literally my mind's still blown. I've already watched this like five times and I'll, I'll, I'll explain the details in a moment. But so anyways, I'm going to read you. This is Revelation 22, 13 through 14. So there's a common misconception, I guess maybe depending on what version of the Bible that you're reading, um, where people say that God says, I am the alpha, the omega the beginning and the end. But if you go to the King James version specifically, it says, I am the Aleph and the Tav. Okay. That would be A-L-E-P-H and the T-A-V, the Aleph and the Tav. So why is that important? So um, 
basically the reason that I even started looking this because I, I came across this other weird thing where the woman was talking about um, a vision that she had and in the vision God said that um, to pay attention where the Y crossed the X. You know, so I'm like, wow. And then she then she jumped into the solar eclipses that we had 2017, 2023, and the one we're going to have of April 8th of 2024 this year. So this will be the final and the third part of this uh, three-part solar sequence. So um, I went and I looked up Aleph and Tav. I wanted to see what they were because I knew that they were letters in, in Hebrew, but I wasn't sure what they looked like. So I went and I looked them up. So the... The Tav, the T-A-V, looks like an X. The Aleph comes in two forms. The improper um, form looks like a sideways A. The proper form of Aleph looks like a Y. So I went down to the map, and I look where the first eclipse um, crossed in 2017. Um, I looked at the cross of the 2023 where it went down. And then I'm looking at the path, the totality path that goes over all the Ninvas um, of the one that's upcoming. And it literally forms, I am not joking, it forms an Aleph and a Tav right there with those three cross. So you have an Aleph and a Tav. And so the question is, is God signing his work? Did he literally put Alpha Omega um, in the sign of these crossings? And it's crazy. Like, I can't not see it now that I'm looking at it. But, um... But part of it looks like a Y where they cross. So the, the cross that the lady in her dream was said to pay attention to where they cross. There are two crosses. One of them San Antonio and the other one's up there in Missouri, um, just west of, west of Kentucky. So not too far um, out of Kentucky, but in Missouri. Um, I'm really curious to where this is going, but I can't not see it now. Because um, it straight up literally makes the Aleph, Aleph and the Tav in the way that these uh, three cross each other. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's very interesting. I'm not so sure about the Aleph and Atav, um, but e either way, look at, to me, that sounds like the Hebrew of it. Um, is that correct? I mean, is that the Hebrew? Yeah, it is. It is Hebrew. Um, okay. Or the Hebrew letters. So like I said, it's the Aleph. The reason the, I'm saying it because if somebody goes looking for it, you're going to have to be looking for the Hebrew on that, not the Greek or the yeah, English translation. Exactly. Um, but that is very interesting. I've seen that before um, about what, about a year and a half, two years ago, you was talking about the eclipse crossing over and we talked about it then. And I did a little bit of research on that. And it is amazing how it does. It does make that a letter. I mean, you, it, there's the, no the way a and the X they're so defined. You, you cannot deny that that's what it is. Now, what is it that you know, we're talking before the show, you know, the, God's word says the Jews require a sign um, and a lot of things that the Lord does and the signs and wonders that are coming in the heavens. That's who they're for is for not necessarily the righteous, the saved, whatever you want to say, the Gentile, whatever you want to say. It's more so for his Jewish people um, because they require a sign. You know, Jesus got onto him many times, a generation that always has to have a sign, you know, so, but God still, you know, he still loves everyone and he's, he's willing to give them those signs. And those people still go by the moon phases and everything to this very day. Um, so that just gives more validity to the sign thing, but that is, it's mind blowing. And what I found more fascinating, kind of even that is what you were telling me the other week. And I haven't looked into it, um, but about the path that it crosses goes over all these places called Nineveh. Yeah, that's totally mind it's like I said, there's way, the, the more you dig, the more coincidence are, are in there. And I've got one more this weird coincidence to wind this all up. If it doesn't get any weirder than that. So, um, there was a guy that took literally one of the most high definition pictures ever taken of the moon. All right. Ended up handing it over to NASA. NASA's got it on their site. Literally, it is so crystal clear that you can see rust on the moon. Okay. So when you go to, to NASA and because they couldn't avoid this, it was all over the place. They, they started getting into detail as to what that rust specifically is, which is weird because it actually takes water and oxygen in order to make what happens happen. Um, but the NASA literally said that that rust is specifically called hematite. Okay, so we've seen, have you ever seen hematite? Hematite looks like a little mirrored rock, you know, down here on earth, but it's a form of rust. 
So that specific rust that's forming on the moon is called hematite. If you go into Greek, um, Greek words and you look up the definition of hematite, guess what the definition is? Robin said it, blood. In Revelation, it literally says that the moon will turn to blood. And now the moon is literally turning into hematite, which translates to blood. So, you know, the better question is, if, if that's absolute and it's already turning, how much longer do we have till it's complete? Yeah, exactly. That was my thought last night because I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. But, like, what? how crazy is that? That's a, that's hey, but that's God. Yeah, this is this is this was my night last night after Kilted Christian. <laughs> I literally stayed up to like four or five in the morning just going over all kinds of crazy stuff. So what where are we right now? Because this is gonna take the rest of the show. We got 30 minutes left. All right. So I'm gonna play this quick little video. Jeff hasn't even heard this one yet. We just kind of gradually talked about it. Okay. So before I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce, I'm gonna walk into this first. I'm gonna introduce. Okay. So last night, um, I came across this um, this weird little thing. I don't even know how I found it. I was like going through something and I was like, huh, man, what the heck's a crimson worm? So I looked up crimson worm and I started reading all about this crimson word. I'm like, man, that, that sounds really kind of weird. You know, it almost sounds like kind of symbolic. So um, as I was flipping through, um, going down to see if I couldn't find more, I literally came across something that said crimson worm in Jesus. So I'm like, oh, well, I gotta go check this one out right here. So then I ended up finding this thing, which absolutely blew my mind. And I am so glad because um, when I had talked to Jeff earlier, this was all the research that I had done. And then I came across this like short video that literally explains it a billion times better than I could ever explain it because it's actually coming from a preacher that knows all the scripture. So he makes these, these um, connections. So before I get in there, I'm going to walk into this. So Jeff, we have discussed before, um, like when you're reading scripture, um, our brains are, are like this. Any Whenever we read anything, our brains have a way of taking words and turning them into visions, okay? So we, we basically make a movie of the words that we're reading in our heads so that we can visually represent what we're seeing. Now, the way that we... The way that we perceive things in our heads may not necessarily be the way that they saw them when we were written. It's just the way that our brains interpret the way that it was written. So just like that, there are also words in Scripture that we read today, and it means something different than when they wrote it then. Um, one of those things that I found out recently was the word kid, okay? So when we hear kid, we think like, you know, somebody that's like maybe 10 or below, right? In Scripture, the word kid specifically means like when you translate it from old, it means um, any like anyone who is not set forth with the way their life's supposed to go. For instance, like a 23-year-old man who's not married with no job would still be considered a kid by that term. And specifically, I'm, I'm, there was a, a verse, and I'll, I'll find it. I can't I'll remember where it is right now, but it's uh, it talks about 42 kids being killed by two bears. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, those weren't children, you know, specifically. Those were actually like rabble-rousing Antifa-type people that are just going to cause problems. That's what that was about. So so just like um, words meant something different then than we do today, um, there's certain things that we read and we visualize them maybe differently than they were meant back in the time. But there's also things in Scripture that weren't even in Scripture ever that our brains seem to to make up okay you know for instance the way that our brains view heaven is different often than the way that the bible describes heaven um the same thing with satan you ask most people what does satan look like they're like well he's red skin he's got horns a pointy tail with hoof feet nowhere in the bible does it say anything remotely like that matter of fact what does it say is that he's handsome you know what i'm saying like he, he's he's a, an appealing person you know so the way that we see things in our brain is different often the way that even scripture describes it. So that being said, there's so much detail in the Bible that we often miss like crazy because you get in because the stories are so profound that you sometimes are paying attention to the big picture that you miss the nuggets of beautiful, perfectly placed, only Christ and God could have done this words that mean way more than we ever imagined. Now that I have set this up, I'm going to blow your guys' minds, okay? 
So this all comes from, um, let me go back real quick and I'll read you. So this all starts um, with a scriptural, uh, a part of scripture that Psalm 22, 6, okay? And it's important because Psalms comes up multiple times in this story. Psalms 22, 6, but I am a worm and no man a reproach of men and despise of the people. Basically, you know, we're, we're not better than anybody else in this world. Um, you know what I'm saying? We, and, and there's a, there's a, there's a reason that they use that particular word. And it's weird too, because there's multiple times where Christ literally quotes Psalms himself. Okay. And one of those times was when he was dying on the cross where he literally quoted Psalms. So this is a story of this coming from a preacher which is talking about this particular a particular worm, not just the worm as we recognize as the little snaky looking thing, but a specific type of worm. Because even the word that Christ used, or, or excuse me, not Christ, but the word that was used in the Bible was a non traditional form of worm. So you've got the traditional, which is the worm that we know, and then this worm, which they actually translate specifically to crimson worm. Listen to this. You're going to read somebody. This is going to mean something to someone. Reminds me of Romans 1. I want to talk a minute about Christ on the cross. On the cross, he says this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you read that? Do you know where that shows up first? In Psalm 22, Jesus is quoting this on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? My God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season... And I'm not silent, but you are holy enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our father trusted you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried and you were delivered. They trusted you and were not ashamed, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by all people. Now we can see that this is Christ, right? But I want to stop for a minute. And talk about this worm thing. Why did he call himself a worm? Most teachings think because he set himself lower than man. That's true to an aspect, but all animals are below men. Right? Man is given dominion over the earth, so he could have called himself a rabbit. And that would have been below man. But he picked a worm. This is the original Hebrew. The word worm right there is tola'at. It's in the Strong's. That's 8438. That's the word that was used there. That's not the traditional worm, word for worm, like a maggot type worm. This is a specific type of worm. Right here, it means crimson, purple, or worm. It is also used in Exodus when the people gathered too much manna and it developed worms. It was this worm, a specific one. God didn't want them gathering too much manna. He wanted them to trust him. So I'm going to send a worm to destroy all the overstock that you got. And it's going to be that worm. So what does this mean? That is the crimson worm or the cocos ilcus, the cocos worm. He referred to himself as this particular worm. These are all these cocos worms. Now, what they do in Israel, they harvest these. Anybody knows when they harvest snails to get the blue color for the threads? And they would use that for their robes. These they would harvest to get a crimson color. So this is actually going on right now in Israel. This is a guy who sticks one of these worms right there in boiling water. And it ultimately starts turning red. And pay attention, because understand who Christ is, what he did for us, what he said to us, what he said at the Last Supper. And think about this. The Hebrew word for worm is ramah, which means maggot. But the Hebrew word Jesus used for worm was tola'ah, which means crimson or scarlet worm. When it is time for the crimson worm to reproduce, which it only does one time in its life, it finds the trunk of a tree or a wooden fence post or a stick. It then attaches its body to the wood and makes a hard crimson shell. It is so strongly and permanently stuck to the wood that 
The shell cannot be removed without tearing its body completely apart or killing it. You can already see where this is going, right? The crimson worm lays its eggs under its body as a protective shell. When the larvae hatch, they stay under the shell. The mother's body gives protection for her babies and also provides them with food, which is her own living body. And what does Christ say? Take and eat. This is my body. I am the worm. Take and drink. This is my blood. I am the worm. After a few days of feeding on the living mother's body, the young worms grow and the mothers die. It then secretes a crimson or red dye that stains the wood it's attached to and covers the young. The scarlet covering protects them from predators and it stains them red for the rest of their lives. Christ says, I am the worm. I am the scarlet worm. I will protect my kids. They take it, eat. This is my body. The body and the blood. And when I die, my blood will cover you. I will protect you from predators. We're not done yet. After dying to give life to its children, something amazing takes place. For a period of three days, the worm can be scraped from the tree and the crimson gel can be used to make a dye. Three days. This dye was the same dye used in the tabernacle and the garments of the high priest. For three days, you could harvest this dead worm and they would take the dye and it would actually be the covering of the Old Testament tabernacle. It was red. And they also used it in the garments of the high priest. That's just a coincidence, right? By the morning of the fourth day, when the worm has pulled its head and tail together, it now is in the shape of a heart. And it starts losing its crimson color and is now turning into a wax, which is white like snow. And what does Jesus say in Psalm 22? I am poured out like water. All of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. And then in Isaiah, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they are now white as snow. For they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I am the worm. Everything he did was right there in the life cycle. And we can see everything in God in nature. This is why he said, I am this worm. I will feed my children with my body. I will protect them and cover them with my blood. It shall protect them against predators until they can stand on their own. And then they can harvest the blood because I'll be the high priest and their scarlet sins will be white as snow. Have you ever heard that before? You know, it's not an accident. You can't make this up and all you got to do is, you know, see it. It's so much more than him saying I'm lower than man. So... Wow. And yes, I will definitely post that um, on to our Celtic Christian at Telegram. But what a mind blower. Okay. And I say it, even what we surfacely read in scripture, it's just mind blowing. You're just like, it's the perfect word. It's the written word. It's the living word. It's absolutely perfect. And then you realize that it's even more perfect. Yeah, I've got chills too, Mary. Um, it, it, then you find out that there's even more perfect than you even imagined it was perfect. Um right down to this such all that detail out of one word you know what i'm saying and and what he said was so profound and so perfect is that the example of god and christ are are apparent all through nature everywhere around us there's proof everywhere that god exists and even right here the life of this worm was not only the life the death but also the rising of Christ with the wax and, and turning our sins to white, like mind is blown. Yeah, that's, that's different right now. You've probably got a, I don't know. You've probably got a few people renting their clothes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jesus as a worm, you know, I'm, I'm not all for that by no means. I, I like lamb or lion a whole lot better, but 
you know, um, as this guy was talking, I went back and looked this up and he's absolutely telling you the truth. Um, the outline on that from the Strongs is H8438 Tola. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's a worm, scarlet stuff, crimson. Worm is a female, the Cocos ileus, um, scarlet, crimson, scarlet, dye made from the dried body of a female, the worm, um, worm maggot, worm grub. And it goes on to tell you when the female, the scarlet species, is ready to give birth to her young, just like what he said, attaches to the trunk, lays the eggs, the whole nine yards. So, you know. Well, I found this backwards. There. I found this backwards. I didn't find this video and then go, huh, I wonder if he's right. And then went and looked it up. I literally found the worm first and the way that it described it. I'm like, this is crazy. Sounded like a a heavenly father that I know. So as I went through to dig further, like I said, I came across something that said um, Scarlet or Crimson Worm and Jesus. So then I read that. And then I was like, okay, I'm digging into this more. And then the more I dug, I came across this video, um, which summed it up too perfectly. So I, I was like, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, this is kind of, you know, I don't take offense to it because I know what David is trying to represent here. Uh, and I know what the Lord is trying to show us through that. Um, that's, I look at that phenomenal. I do. I mean, Cause there's, there's a lot of things in scripture that if you take time to look into them, you'd be amazed what you could find, yes. um, you know, whether it's, you know, Jesus being referred to as a lion, being referred to as the lamb. I mean, there's just all kinds of things, you know, and this 